0: Welcome into the Bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The Bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the bank. I'm here with my co-host Gabe Ferguson. Um, we're on episode 16, and we're we're right on the cusp of uh, the start of the season. So if you want to um, read about what we've been talking about as it relates to the start of this season, you can check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com. Um, you can find me at BSL Jordan Co on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. We'd love to talk Ravens. We're chomping at the bit for this season to get started. Um, And so we thought we'd just kind of talk about some of the top storylines that are coming out of Baltimore Ravens camp and the local um, news sites and kind of what we're hearing as well as the national news. Um, You know, and and Gabe, I think the first thing, you know, we've talked about this a little bit already, but it's the one that seems top of mind to me because it's going to be the one that's going to make the biggest difference this year. And that's all the chatter that we're hearing about Hollywood Brown now. I don't know. I think some of this is just media hype, right? Like we, we've got nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else interesting going on in the football world right now. There aren't a whole lot of storylines, but he does look bigger. He does look wider. And if he is faster as he claims he is, than he was last year, in addition to those two things, we're going to have a heck of a receiver on our hands.
1: Yeah. I tend to think so. Um, Like you said, we talked about this before. I think there was a social media picture that he's posted. It was just a few weeks back now where he showed a picture of himself at the end of last season, like just him like flexing with, from, like the, from behind and then the same picture of him like, you know, end of the summer. And he looks like two different people. He looks like someone who literally added 20 pounds of muscle to his frame. And he clearly had room to put it on because he still doesn't look like he's large or anything. He's what, like 180 pounds now? Which is you know about right for a player who's five nine. That's like a good size, I think. But now he's kind of you know rocked up. And one of the things that we talked about a little bit was he basically avoided contact as a rookie. Like he didn't want to get tackled. He went down. He kind of like sometimes ran away from contact. Um, if if you can take that and keep that speed, and then just have him as a more explosive, more physical player ability to run through contact you know turn up field and like pick up yards after the catch which is something he did at a few times last year but mostly he didn't really get a lot of yards after the catch i think that's a pretty significant change um in the dynamic of the ravens offense because if he can really develop into that true number one wide receiver that you know we really want to have the true number one wide receiver that the ravens have struggled to find for through 25 years of their existence um and pair him obviously with the mvp you have The foundations of what can be you know extremely exciting offense for years to come
0: yeah you know i i feel like you know to me the the guy to look at is tyreek hill right you know he weighs in at 185 he's an inch taller than than hollywood so you know if hollywood is 178 180 they're they're similar comp comp right in terms of size and you know Hill was a little bit better of a receiver as a rookie, but you know, that was also because he was playing a little bit of a different role. He was out of the backfield, he was catching stuff in the flat, more screens, more dump offs to go along with that. So I think, you know, you're gonna see more yards, obviously, you know, a lot more end arounds and and actual true rushes for him. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you take some of those pieces out. He was 61 catches for 600 yards as a rookie for Tyreek Hill. You know, for for Hollywood, it was forty five catches for five hundred and ninety yards. Um, with a little rounding on both sides and you know for a guy that was hurt and a guy that wasn't you know really getting the reps in the true way he's just as fast as Tyree Hill and we saw him with tremendous hands and some tremendous catches in a couple games I mean obviously the Titans game the type the catch in the Titans game on um, the corner throw from Lamar and the, the the Cardinals game on that big, I don't remember if it was a third or fourth down, but it was 35 yeah, it was, yards down the field. Third
1: down completion is seal at the end of the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was just perfect over the shoulder, but, but you know, for a guy that his size, the speed that he was going, his ability to kind of get turned around, locate the ball and catch the ball. And knowing that he wasn't practicing, not getting time with Lamar. If they sync up, I, I mean, you know, I think there's a real opportunity for something.
1: Yeah. I mean, clearly, I I agree. I think that I think Tyreek Hill is probably a little faster. Um, I think he's just faster than everybody on a football field and, and Marquise Brown is probably, you know, in that if there's like an upper tier, he's clearly in it. And I think that he'll just like on the top of that tier, but I mean, even without that, like maybe, you know, 0.01% of the top tier of elite speed, he's still going to be a player that you have to account for at all times. And if you are trying to have a more vertical passing game, which we've heard the Ravens stress this off season, then Hollywood Brown is kind of the key to that. And it's not just him because the Ravens other wide receivers are fast too. Now, you know, we have Miles Boykin, who's a fast wide receiver. He ran in the four fours of the combine Devin DuBernay, uh this past year's rookie third round draft pick. He, he ran in the four fours. So you have potential to have, you know, three, four, five with 4-4 four, four speed on the field at the same time that's really something to, teams are going to have to account for and if you can also be in a situation where you don't know if the, the Ravens are going to run the ball or pass the ball uh, I think that can be a really devastating kind of you know offensive personnel grouping and then you have a guy like Mark Andrews so you can just like sit down in the middle and if you have guys stretching the field and stretching it horizontally and vertically he's just going to be in the middle of the field wide open catching passes from Lamar so like there's just so many different opportunities that the Ravens can do. They just need to get, you know, guys comfortable in the offense. Boykin wasn't comfortable last year. I hope to see him get better. Um, DuVernay, obviously, he's a rookie, but I think he's going to have a role this season. Um, and then if you have, you know, Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, you have one of the running backs that we have seen perform very well. That's That's a really strong offense, I think.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the Ravens have a shot to do one of those things. One of the interesting concepts if we we talk a little bit about X's and O's that the the Chiefs do a lot of um, and effectively use Hill. They they do basically what's called a four by one where they're putting four receivers to one side of the quarterback and one receiver to the other side. The Ravens could do that out of, you know, even even if they're in um, 12 personnel, right, where they have one running back and two tight ends on the field the tight end can either they can have two tight ends on the slot side or they can have one tight end on the weak side and keep the running back on the strong side and what the what the chiefs do really effectively is run a high low game with Hill and Kelsey um when they run the running back or they run a drag route underneath that so they they they're constantly getting three levels of yeah. receivers and they're getting they're giving Mahomes so this is part of why he's so good they're letting him look in a straight line and in in that straight line he sees all three levels that he can throw at and it makes it rather it makes it a lot easier of a throw and a lot easier of a decision for him to make when he's looking at the defense that way but that's just Andy Reid's run concepts like this for a very long time right but you've got if you've got all three levels like that working in the same way and you give Lamar those same looks he's going to be able to make a lot of those same throws and the thing about the high low concepts that make them really effective is that you've got the tight end kind of running either a very short post or a hook route in the middle of the field then you've got the wide receiver running a deep post down the, the the farther part of the field. And so you also take away Lamar's need to throw those deep corner routes. I think we've heard from some people that the deep out and kind of like, like outside the hash marks and outside the numbers are where he's shown that he's struggled in his career. And that is true. But there are ways for the Ravens to conceptually avoid that. And if you've got the right kind of receivers that you can bundle into that mix, and if Boykin can be the deep post guy and Hollywood can be the under guy, or you can flip those around and, and they can be any combination of those, right. Then you've got DuVarnay or you can let Andrews or Boyle even be the underneath guy. All of a sudden the complexion of this offense can be really hard to handle even out of a two tight end set.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's just so many options with what the Ravens can do. I think a lot's going to be on beyond Greg Roman's, you know, hands this off season. We don't know exactly what he's been scheming. I really hope that the Ravens, you know, take the next step in their offensive evolution and they continue to adapt their offense with, with obviously Lamar at the, at the center of it, but kind of start moving away from the the run-centric offense that we saw last year. And I'm not saying abandon the run by any stretch. I think you want to have a lot of run just because of how effective it is with this team, but you also want to use that as a way to get easy looks in the offense in the passing game because, generally speaking, you're going to get better offense from passing the ball than running the ball and you even what we saw last year with the ravens they were one of the best teams running the ball like that we've ever seen but they were even better when they passed it so if you can you know shift maybe five ten percent of your play calls into the passing game and use that effectiveness uh, and still maintain that effectiveness and efficiency that we saw last year um, it's going to be a, a really dynamic offense and i think it's going to be even more fun to watch than we saw last year
0: yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the Ravens do with that. And it's, it's, you know, it'll be even more interesting to see how they roll that out in game one versus, you know, having no preseason. They're going to get to do it kind of all under the cover of night and they're going to get to make their evaluation internally and decide what they want to do with it. So uh, it, it should be interesting to see what they do for sure. Um,
1: yeah, so so one of the things that we uh, recently learned was that the Ravens were one of only a handful of teams that were actually taking advantage of the virtual capabilities this offseason, um, you know, they were having these these virtual sessions, or they were doing, you know, the team learning um, 100% virtually and I think that I don't know why other teams weren't on the ball with doing this, but hopefully it will put the Ravens at an advantage, do you think that will be the case.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it absolutely, it absolutely stunned me that every team in the NFL wasn't doing this, you know, and and this is a topic, you know, you, everybody should check it out, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com's forum. We've talked a little bit about this. There's been some interesting conversations about how to be smart about COVID and how the Ravens have been doing the right things and how... You know and the ravens do a lot of the things the right way Siba biscotti is a great owner they've got a great set of a management team there they do things smart but there was like a little mini discussion going for a while there about kind of why are you know this is such an easy thing to do why aren't all teams kind of doing things the right way why aren't they listening to their players why aren't they talking to them about what they think safety looks like all those different pieces you know and and i chimed in and said you know at the end of the day, you know, you think good leadership and you think being smart is easy. Listening to people is simple, but um, you know, I think some of these owners and leadership groups and even GMs, you know, you got the Tom Coughlin types of the world that have done things a certain way up to a certain point, and that's to them that's success. There's no other way to do it for these guys, right? And and often that's not listening to their people, and that's not doing creative things, and that's not taking every opportunity in front of you and just doing it the way they've always done it. And I guess you know the NFL, it doesn't surprise me that in the old boys club, that is NFL coaching and general manager trees that if one of them at the top wasn't doing it, that they all kind of followed suit. Um, but it just stuns me that, that these teams knew that they weren't going to have as many, like they had to have known they were going to lose preseason games and opportunities. And you know, what were they thinking?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like such a simple thing. Um, when you, when you know pretty early on that you aren't going to have OTAs, you know, not that much later that the preseason probably isn't going to happen. You have to get in there and get some of these, you know, installs going like as early as possible. And how else can you do that if you're not using, you know, video technology, uh, remote learning, you know, these video classrooms that you know students were using? I mean, the same thing is happening for the players. And if the coaches are trying to install new plays, install new, you know, personnel groupings, whatever it may be teams are going to ha- having to try and do this in like the course of a month. Right. And now the Ravens who might've been doing it for several months should be at an advantage. And I think the kudos to the Ravens organization, you know, we've heard for so long and I think it's, it's really true that they're, you know, top of the line organization from the owner on down GM coach, coaching staff, trainers, you know, everybody who's involved, everybody's on the same mindset the GM and the head coach, they are constantly in communication. You know, there there's always these kind of, you know, organizational directives to just be everyone focused on, on the goal of, you know, winning a championship. And I think that in especially in a season like this, it's really going to separate the weed from the chaff.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny because the Ravens did this and beyond rookies and, and a few handful of guys defensively, you know, they're mostly bringing these units intact back to the team. You know, most of the guys on the offensive line for the most part were here. Obviously the tight end sets were all here minus the rookies, The wide receivers were all here. Obviously Lamar and the running backs were mostly here. You look at the secondary completely intact up front. You had a couple changes for the Ravens, but like, you know, the outside linebackers and the backups at inside linebacker all the same. And the Ravens still nonetheless said, this is something that we've got to commit to doing. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to me to see how that's going to play out, but you would think that for a league where everybody's looking for every inch of every edge and everything, um, you know, it's surprising that they couldn't find a way to kind of get this done in the middle of the pandemic.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be their fault, I guess, for not getting it done. And teams like the Ravens who were able to, able to you know, put these things together, they're going to have an advantage. So Good for the Ravens. Um, one more reason why to hope that the season goes on normally. I think yeah. we're heading towards that. Everything looks like it's going to. we're going to have a season starting on time. Um, you know, we're what a week or so into training camp now. Players are reported. They've done all the testing. We've had some players go on to these uh, COVID lists where they have to be quarantined, whether they came in contact with someone who tested positive or tested positive themselves. Uh, we don't know all the details about that. but. Um, we do know that there's still, you know, things happening. We we've seen like the Ravens' webpage; they're posting videos of players on the field. Um, we're getting first looks at some of the rookies. You know, it's it's really exciting. It's it feels like football is actually starting, and I'm I'm sure that you know the closer we get to the season, it's going to feel more real more real um, every day we get closer.
0: Yeah, well, and, and when you talk about the Ravens being smart about how they're handing on COVID, I think one of the luxuries of what the Ravens have done in the last couple of years has been smart about the salary cap. And you and I have talked a little bit about how Rice and Nada and some other things that happened and Flacco, obviously, those three things kind of conspired to put the Ravens in a really bad cap spot for the prior really four years. Um, you know, and it all started with Rice, but then it started with Nada aging too soon and then and then that kind of cascaded into having to extend Flacco. But the Ravens are in a tremendous cap position as they head into 2021. They have right now as it stands before cuts. And so obviously that means a little bit less, but before they have to cut anybody, the Ravens have the sixth most cap space heading into 2021. And so that, to me, that begs the question about kind of what's going on with Ronnie Stanley. Um, and, and the Ravens are looking more and more brilliant for not having signed him something to something before or shortly after the Tunsil deal. And obviously I think Tunsil happened, during COVID or right before COVID, right?
1: I think it was before, it was right after the end of the season. So okay. I, I mean, we were maybe on the verge of having a pandemic but it hadn't happened yet. And obviously the the extent of what it was gonna be hadn't really come to fruition at that point.
0: Right, So, but the Ravens are in the catbird seat when it comes to the Ronnie Stanley extension. And I, I was really glad to hear this week that it looks like that they're still in talks with extending him. You know, obviously, if he's going to demand tonsil money under a cap next year, that we don't know what it looks like or whatever, whatever that is, you know, so be it. But you know, the the position of the Ravens certainly should be one where they're not willing to bid against themselves because if he has to go out to market, they're not going to be bidding against anybody, or even the best opportunity that he's going to get is not just not going to be at least in one year the same. And I wonder if that plays to their advantage and their ability to re-sign him make it a low cap number or something small for next year and figure out a way to kind of work that deal out. That's a little bit more team favorable.
1: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens and really how the NFL teams in general handle uh, this coming off season. We don't know yet exactly what the cap is going to be. It's going to depend on what revenue is for this season. We do know that it's probably going to be a significantly um, less than what would have been projected after a normal season and it'll probably be significantly less than what this current season's cap is. So the Ravens are in better position than most teams. They still aren't going to have a ton of wiggle room in terms of like what they can do in free agency. Um, you would think that Ronnie Stanley would be a priority um, going right now he's going to his fifth year, so they have him on his fifth year um, you know fifth year option. Um, which is a p- pretty sizable amount. Um, they could still extend him. They have the option to do that, at, I think, at any point. Um, and I think given the nature of what the caps are going to look like over the next several seasons, which is probably going to be not as low as what have, would have been anticipated earlier, there might be the ability to sign him at at a relatively lower number, for instance, than what Tunsil was signed for. Um Obviously, we don't know what those contract negotiations look like. You can't lowball him too much. Obviously, you can't be disrespectful. Um, I think that there are other contracts that the Ravens are going to be considering. Matthew Judon will be coming off the franchise tag. Um, I doubt he'll be franchise tagged again. That could make Stanley an option to franchise tag if the conversations or the, you know, this doesn't go very well in terms of a long term contract. Um, Marlon Humphrey will be going into his fifth year option, so that could be another player you look to extend. And then Lamar Jackson, as we saw happen this past year, after three seasons, Patrick Mahomes signed his mega deal. Is Lamar Jackson going to be looking to sign a mega deal, too? Now, obviously, Patrick Mahomes did sign his mega deal in the middle of the pandemic. Will Jackson be looking at the same situation, of being like, I want to get paid, too? Um I don't know. It, it might depend on how the season goes. We know that he's very team committed. He wants to win a Super Bowl. Um, we'll see what that means in terms of him getting paid. So there's a chance that he's going to want to get a contract. He might want to wait another year for the Ravens to have more of an ability to sign him long term. They might be able to structure something so that you know he does get extended long term, but the cap hits don't really come up a great deal until a couple years down the road. We'll have to wait and see how it all plans out, but. I do agree with you, the Ravens are in a great position. Um, I think Stanley will be here long-term one way or the other. I think the one guy who's probably going to be on the outside looking in is Matt Judon.
0: Yeah, I think Judon is probably on the outside looking in as he probably should be. Um, I think the only thing that will hold that back is the market of um, outside linebackers too. You talk a little bit about the Mahomes deal and Jackson. I think the thing that doesn't get talked about enough with Mahomes deal is that from a salary cap and end structure salary dollar standpoint, he's not actually making any more in year four and year five of his deal. He gets a little bit of it accelerated in a bonus, um, but essentially his contract goes unchanged over those two years. Yeah. Uh, so even if Lamar signs something now and an extension, then it would be against the future whatever the cap would be. So I think you know for Lamar, he can wait a year or he can do it now. Um, he'll probably make a little bit more if he waits a year. Um, So I think he'll probably do that. But, you know, Mahomes didn't make any more money in the short term than he would have made signing that extension, say, a year later and a year shorter. It just would have been X whatever number dollars less. Um, But yeah, I think Judon, you know, the interesting thing about Judon is if you look at like, like who's on the market, right? So you still got Everson Griffin, and Clowney, who are free agents this year. It's almost completely unlikely that they would sign a multi-year deal or would sign a multi-year deal that didn't result in them getting cut in this upcoming year. So they're going to be out there. And then you've got Judon and Gakaway. I'm trying to think there was an, I think there's another guy playing on the franchise. Oh, Bud Dupree. Um, and maybe another outside linebacker that's playing on the franchise tag this upcoming season. So Judon's going to be out there with all those guys. And you know, I, 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 You know, I don't think he's better than Clowney, and I don't think he's better than Ngakwe. I do think he'll be better than Griffin given age, and I do think that you know, I do think he's better than Bud Dupree. But you know, I'm not going to give a Steeler any credit. Um, I also don't don't think Bud Dupree is that great. Um, So I think he's better than those guys. But with two guys that are going to set the market over the top of you, plus I don't know who else is going to be an outside linebacker free agent coming up next year. You know, it does beg the question of whether or not he's going to see a really huge deal too. If if a guy like Stanley does make the market and goes out and sucks up the team that has the most cap space, like let's say the Ravens decide to move on. I, I, I hope they don't, but let, let's say they do um, and they move on from Stanley, you know, who how much money is going to be out there for all these guys that are presumably going to be out there as free agents? and And just imagine the amount of cuts that are going to be coming in this upcoming year. So, you know, I think that's the other leverage of the Ravens get over Stanley, which is like, look, you can go out and make what is market value next year and make less. Um, or you can stay here for a year. You can sign something that's team friendly short term, but we'll like essentially put a poison pill in year three where we're going to have to restructure or cut you or something like that. Um, just seems like an inevitability at this point. And that's, I mean, that's what I'd be pushing him for. Like a five-year deal that at the end of two years is untenable from a cap standpoint to, to play him on, with the expectation that they would sign and extend or do something at that point in exchange for the short-term benefit of two years of decent cap number.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of really creative cap maneuvering, both between front offices and agents trying to come up with some creative um, contract, Layouts or designs or however you want to describe it, um, that's going to be able to still get players paid in this this coming off season, but also you know figure out a way to keep the cap numbers uh, relatively small, um, at least compared to what some of the things we've seen. Um, and it, it might just be that they're going to be short term, like we'll have like short term things, or maybe there'll be some like bonuses that kick in like three years down the road, or like I don't know, I, I don't know how it's going to look. I, I, I do think it's important that the Ravens have the cap flexibility that they have compared to some, a lot of teams. I think half the league is going to be in negative cap situations most likely. Like you said, there's going to be lots of veterans that are going to be released. It could be a great time for a player like Matthew Judon to be signed to an extension that's well under what the market we thought would be. Um, so who knows? Maybe the Ravens will be able to take advantage of this of this market, of this offseason in which the cap is, is low and be able to sign some of their players that they weren't expecting to. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I think nobody does at this point, but we just have to, you know, hope that the Ravens know what they're doing. And I think over the past couple of years, we've seen that they definitely do.
0: Yeah, definitely. One and a couple other names that keep coming up when it comes to. Uh, agents. One is a guy that sounds like the Ravens are bringing in right now, Kenyon Barner, which I think is a great signing. Um, And then we keep hearing about Antonio Brown. So what's your take on those two
1: guys? So I think Barner is a good signing um, because the Ravens really don't have a proven kick returner um, or punt returner at this point. I mean, we have Chris Moore kicking or returning kicks. He's done it Justice Hill did it some last year, too. So maybe you have options there. But returner was more of a question. I think it was for James Prochet's job to lose is what we heard this past um, week from, from John Harbaugh. But bringing in some veteran competition, I think, is always going to be a good thing. I'm not sure how I feel about having a guy just being signed just to play special teams, just to be the returner. I'd rather have someone who's going to contribute elsewhere, which I think Prochet obviously could um, as a wide receiver. Um, I think Bonner, though, is a good returner. Um, I did see that he has some issues with the muffs. Um, he muffed a few punts last year, which seems to be something the Ravens don't care about when they're bringing in players. That, I mean, they, I know they care about it, but they maybe they think that they can teach some different technique or something. I don't know. He he obviously has some explosive ability. He got, I think he's returned a few for touchdowns in his career. So... You know, he's got the experience on his side. If if I was wagering, I would say he, he might start the season on the roster. Um, and then just kind of as a, a insurance policy for Prochet, they might both see some looks. And if Prochet looks like he can handle it, they they might give him the job and let Barnard go. But without having any preseason, it's really hard to evaluate that. And I think you need to have somebody who's been there and done it to start the season at least.
0: Yeah. Well, as long as it's not DeAnthony Thomas, um, you know, I want DeAnthony to stay healthy. I wish him all the best. Um, but I think Barner is a nice fit for that. And again, yeah, you don't know what you're getting at Prochet. You want a guy to back up or if something happens to Prochet earlier, I don't know who else is going to be. You're stuck in an emergency situation. Um, I don't love carrying a guy for that spot either. Um, and we can talk a little bit about the roster. I think we plan to later as it relates to the offensive line and the quarterbacks, but um, You know, you've got an expanded roster now in 55 guys. You're going to have a practice squad that, that has got a few extra guys there as well. And I think that we're at a point now where... I think fewer guys are going to change teams, right? Like I I just think like they, they've cut down a little bit earlier now. It seems like very few of those guys were getting added off of waivers from other teams. I think, you know, we have chatted a little bit about on the forums at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com sports about Breland um, and how we all like him as a signing, but like the fact that he got through waivers kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, obviously there might be some health or physical stuff there, but I think at the end of the day, like teams just, like like they just don't have, there's nothing to evaluate on. There's no extra tape. Nothing has changed from the draft, which was almost what four or five months ago now um, for them to decide that they will want to sign him now when they did it earlier. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of that where your roster is going to be a little bit more set coming in and a, and a few more guys are going to make it to the practice squad. If that's the case, then I'm okay with carrying Barner. And I don't, you know, I, I've talked a little bit. I think I wrote about the Raven step chart a few months ago, and maybe I need to, cue this back up again, but I think the Ravens have the roster space, um, to be able to carry a couple extra guys. And and some of the guys on the the bubble are, are, are kind of a little bit more fungible. So that obviously means we have space to bring in Antonio Brown, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think Antonio Brown is the last piece of the puzzle. I clearly, um, (laughs) (laughs) he's going to be missing at least eight games of the upcoming season. And I know he's Hollywood's cousin and I know Lamar Jackson has said that he thinks he will be a great addition in the locker room um and while the Ravens front office and head coach haven't necessarily said it's an absolute no-go I think it's going to be an absolute no-go I I don't see any chance that, that Antonio Brown is brought onto the Ravens roster it's just I can't see how it makes sense for any party involved um yes the Ravens wide receiver group may be on paper one of the the weaker units on the team but i think that like we said eight games only you don't have any chemistry being built up with him and the quarterback i mean they've thrown a few balls in the off season, but i don't think that really means that they're ready to be playing um you know on on sundays in the, in the nfl season i just i just don't see it happening
0: yeah, I'd be really disappointed. And I, I know some other folks have said the same thing. I'd be really disappointed if the Ravens signed Brown. I don't know how you go from a, a Ray Rice situation where you draw a pretty firm line in the sand um, to signing a guy who's currently on an eight-game suspension for kind of domestic violence-related issues. So, so for me, that's kind of end of the line. Um, you know, I think he's talented. I think he could add something. We saw in the one game he played last year, he's still very capable of being a very good receiver. So, I don't, I wouldn't want to see him lining up opposed to us. We've seen him and Ben rip this team apart in big games on just like time after time. So, you know, I, I think he's a capable receiver just don't think there's I just don't think it makes sense here in Baltimore right now.
1: Yeah, and I think also at this point I want to see the Ravens develop their wide receivers. You know, <laughs> they have a they have a guy in, in Hollywood who I think has a chance to be really good. Um Miles Boykin last year's third round pick. Um he didn't do much as a rookie, but he's coming into his second season. You know, like to see some some work there. Um Devin Duvernay, I'm I'm actually really excited about watching him in a Ravens uniform you know, just watching some of the highlight reel stuff that they had on, the, on the Ravens website, you know, he looks like a guy who can come in and contribute right away. He's got the speed. He's got the ability to run routes. He can run out of the slide. He can run outside. Um, he's very physical um, at the catch point. He's got really strong hands. You know, he caught over a hundred passes last year in college. That's a big number for a co- for a player to catch in one season. Um, I think he can come in and be a contributor right away. He might even make Willie Sneed an afterthought um, and no offense to Willie Snead, who I think you can still have, you know, a role in the offense, but he's, he's just not going to be able to get the kind of dynamic explosiveness that a guy like Dubernay can. So um, he's a guy I really want to see on the field this year. And, and if, and if Brown was brought onto the team, then that really takes away all those snaps and then, I want to see a young core of players who are going to develop with Lamar Jackson over the next coming years. And this season is as good a chance as any to see them working on the field together.
0: Yeah, I, I I mean, I totally agree. And, you know, I think, I think we're looking at a couple other spots on the roster where we're talking about, other young guys or a couple other com- compete competition for some spots. And I think, you know, I, I just mentioned it earlier, but the offensive line and quarterback are interesting. And I, we'll start with quarterback. Cause I think it's a little bit quicker of a conversation, but um, you know, it sounds like hardball saying the Ravens are going to carry three quarterbacks on the roster. And and I think that's okay. Um, you know, I, I think if a guy like Barner makes a roster and you, you don't want to carry a third quarterback, that's fine. Um, I just talked a little bit about, I think a few more guys are going to make their way to the practice squad. I think, I like think Trace McSorley is a guy that if you wanted to try and get to the practice squad this upcoming year, even though he's got a year under his belt um, on the Ravens roster, I think that's something that could probably be a little bit more likely this year. I think teams are just going to be more hesitant to bring outside guys in. There's going to be less tape on these guys. I mean, what do you what do you think you're really getting out of the guy? Um, but I do think it's interesting from the Ravens perspective. They feel like they need to carry three quarterbacks. And I wonder if that I mean that speaks to the fact that the Ravens aren't gonna tone back Lamar's carries this year and he's still they're still gonna let him Lamar be Lamar.
1: I mean, I, I do think that they will tone down his carries a little bit in terms of the designed runs. Um I don't think that has an impact with the three quarterback thing. I think that's more of a we have three guys that we like. Um, but personally I would rather them not carry three quarterbacks and, and I, I'm not sure how the rules work. When it comes to practice squad, I think players still get put on waivers. If, or get, They have to clear waivers to be signed to the practice squad. Um, so if you were to release Trace McSorley, he would be you know, available to any team, to, in theory, to pick up. But as you mentioned earlier, he's going to be a player that's probably going to be one of the last cuts the Ravens would make if they were going to make cuts, if he was going to get cut. And is some other team going to really pick up another quarterback from another team? To put on their active roster, like at, right before the season starts, that seems unlikely. I think they have a good chance of getting him through waivers, placing him on the practice squad. And I do think that the, the, they made the rules so that you can protect a couple players on the practice squad, given the whole like weird um, pandemic situation. I'm not sure about that. I have to double check. But if that's the case, then I think that's a perfect position for Mixerly to be this year. And you can even bring him up on game day if you want. Um, so, I think that the roster spots are very valuable. I don't see the need for three quarterbacks. Um, I think Robert Griffin is perfectly capable of you know being the backup. If somebody gets injured, whether it's Lamar or Griffin, then you bring somebody else in. Um, I don't I don't see the need to have that third guy. I think they're too valuable. Um, I'd rather have Kenyon Barner if necessary. I'd rather have you know that fourth inside linebacker. third tight end whoever it may be i think that's a more valuable position for the ravens than and the the third quarterback who's probably going to be inactive on game day
0: yeah you know i is there enough to like about trace mcsorley to say that they want to keep a roster spot just for you know what they're getting out of him they didn't use him as any kind of like extra special weapon there there doesn't seem to be any kind of Taysom hill in him you know I, I, you know, we'll have to agree to disagree here, but I'm not sure that they're not carrying him because they just want a, a guy around that's going to be in the system because they're a little bit more concerned about health risk than than they might typically be. So it'll be it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, but you know, a guy that seemed like he was going to create some roster space, um, but we're hearing is probably not going to is Matt Skura. Um, and it sounds like he's going to start the, you know, they're starting practice later than they would have anyway. I think, I think you'd be on the physically unable to perform list historically in July. Um, they're not going to take the live practice field and for another week. Um, so that means the Ravens get a whole extra week to make sure that he's ready to go. And from what Harbaugh was saying, it sounds like at some point he's going to be taking live snaps and he's going to be in the mix for, um, you know, the Ravens rotation at inside offensive linemen. And I think that's, A, a great thing for the Ravens, but B, I think it really shakes things up for some of these other guys that they brought in, and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. I'm really excited about it because I'm a big fan of his. But Yeah,
1: uh, yeah I, I like Skrera too, and I'm starting to see him starting as a center on day one. I think he's going to be in that position. Um, you know, he, his, his wife just gave birth. So I think that might've been part of the reason why he started on the active pup list, just so he, you know, could be there, um, for his wife. Um, and, and physically, you know, I, I've, I've been kind of following his story this off season and he, and he's ahead of schedule. Um, and that to me indicates that he will be ready to go. Maybe not, you know, you don't know until we know. Um, but I think. My odds are that he's going to be the starting center. Um, and I, I think that kind of gives you a good idea of what the offensive line is going to look like. I think it's going to be, obviously, the two bookend tackles, uh, Brown Jr. And, and Stanley. And then you have Bradley Bozeman, who started a left guard um, all season last year. And he's going to probably stay there. I think Skura stays at center. If not him, then me, me, maybe we will just see Makari there. Um, but I think it'll, it'll probably be Skura. And then right, right guard. I think we're going to have DJ Fluker. I think he's going to be the guy, the veteran who comes in and is going to plug in right where Yanda was. And and while he's not Marshall Yanda, he's still a starting caliber offensive lineman that the Ravens were able to bring in for cheap. And he, I saw a video of him coming into the Ravens facility, and this man is huge. You know, he's like six foot five and like three hundred forty pounds. He's very large. He looks very muscular. He's going to be a beast in the run game, and I think that the Ravens are going to lean on its experience as a guy who's been in the NFL for almost a decade now. Um, He's got a leg up on some of these younger players. Um, I think the Ravens have some good depth Um, and there's obviously a few different kind of ways that the Ravens can kind of maneuver with their interior offensive line guys. But um, I think they're going to keep guys like Breedson as a, as a backup, probably Phillips as a backup. I think Phillips is probably going to be your, your swing tackle. If it comes to that, um, uh, if the, if the rave is a need to have somebody come in and fill in for, for an injury, he's probably the first man to, to fill that role. So I, I think it's going to be, you know, pretty much what we saw last year. We'll have, we'll have Fluker in there and I, th- I think it's going to be a pretty solid starting group.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, Ben powers is a guy you didn't mention there. And yeah, that's true. Um, he's the guy I think that has the best shot to compete for that guard spot. And he's probably the one guy that if I was going to say, I want to see somebody get a chance, it might be him. The Ravens have a really good history of picking guys that understand, or at least what it seems from my perspective, understand technique and understand kind of what they're trying to do with offensive line. Um, And if they can get them big enough and strong enough, then they turn into really good players when they're given the opportunity. And we've seen that happen with Brian Jensen, um, with Bobby Wagner, or not Bobby Wagner, but, what was Wagner's first name? Robert? Rick, was it? Ricky, Ricky Rick- Wagner. Yeah, Ricky Wagner. Um, you know, even Yanda, you know, our, you know, Skura, undrafted guy, Bozeman, late round draft pick. Um, you know, they pick guys that seem to un- be able to understand or show traits that are going to fit within the system of what they want. And then once they get big and strong enough, they, they just slot right in. Um, and so, you know, I've got no problem handing a veteran like Fluker the job you know, if it's one that he's going to get done. But I also don't want the Ravens to kind of pass up their opportunity for some of the guys that they've been good at identifying and then honestly turning into comp picks. I mean, we saw both Wagner and Jefferson turn into at least at least fourth round comp picks, if not better. Um, and so I'd say Breedson is probably a year away, Phillips is a year away. These are swing guys that can step in if they need them, um, but they fit that same mold that, you know, get them stronger, build them up, their new depth um let them be that but I think I think it's I, I think it's gonna come down to powers and Fluker and it's gonna be interesting.
1: Yeah I think powers will definitely be given a consideration. Um and I don't know if he has what it's gonna take to win that battle. Maybe he does and maybe that's a good thing. Um I think Fluker obviously will will still be you know quality depth if he's not starting. Um but I think in in a and maybe in an offseason like this, then having a year in the system will benefit powers. Um, you know, he did play one game, start one game last year, week 17, and I think he played pretty well. So, you know, maybe that gives him an advantage. It definitely wouldn't be the worst thing if he if he does end up starting. Um, I'm a, a little more, I should say, I'm a little less concerned about the interior of the offensive line with Skura back. I think it just kind of solidifies the whole unit. Um and I think right guard is, is really just going to be kind of like best man, let him get in there and, and see who can, you know, do the best job. And um, it's, it's it's really hard with this kind of off season where you don't have, you know, as many practices, you don't have the preseason games to kind of evaluate these guys. But, um, and and that, that's why I initially thought Luca would probably want to win the position just because of his experience. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. Um, regardless, I think it's going to, it's going to, be a pretty solid group for the Ravens.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, we're right on top of it now. We're, we're real close to the start of actually seeing some, some practices and some videos, I think you mentioned, and I didn't realize this, that we've already got some videos out on, on some things that are happening in camp. I got to check those out. Um, I'm, I'm ready for raising Raven season to start and kind of getting into it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're what a, a month away now, less than a month away. Um, it's, it's, it's exciting. If you're a fan of football, um, obviously we're all hoping that the season goes off without a hitch. I think it's probably unlikely for it to run smoothly and perfectly, but, you know, we'll see how it goes down. I think the Ravens have the advantage of being a very focused team right now. Um, and, and we have to hope that some of that there are, other, are there aren't other teams that are going to kind of drag <laughs> the rest of the league down. Um, so, I'm just hoping, you know, that everybody stays safe, stays smart, stays healthy and that we get to enjoy, you know, our favorite sport.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm hoping that uh everybody else that's listening in here stays safe and smart and healthy too. Um it's a crazy world and a crazy time out there, so we appreciate those of you that took some time to listen in um for doing so and uh we're we're excited for this season coming up. So check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com. Both Gabe and I do some different writing of articles there. We post on the forum there. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm at BSL Jordan Co. He's at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. Get in touch with us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you, seeing you guys soon.